Love the sounds of New Orleans? Join me, Sarah Jane, for my new show, The Second Line. I'll play you some Dixieland, lots of brass bands, jazz, and so much more. The show starts November the 15th on Tuesdays from 2 to 4 p.m. right here on WERU. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Gamble & Hunter Sailmakers, making sales for classic boats, cruising boats, and the main wind jammers for more than 30 years at 16 Lime Rock Street in Camden, gambleandhunter.com. Support for WERU also comes from Allen Insurance and Financial of Camden, helping to insure Maine boats and their people since 1866, an employee-owned company, allaninsuranceandfinancial.com or 800-439-4311. It's about 45 seconds before the hour, 10 o'clock, Wabanaki Windows time. And let's take a quick look at the weather while we're waiting for that hour to come. A chance of rain, mainly after 3 p.m., cloudy with a high near 53. East winds, 5 to 7 miles an hour this afternoon. Chance of precipitation is 30%. Tonight, rain, mainly after 8 p.m., low around 47. East winds, 10 to 17. Chance of precipitation, 100%. New precipitation, about half to three-quarters of an inch possible. Tomorrow, rain, mainly before 1 p.m., then a chance of showers after 1 p.m. High near 55 south wind, southeast winds, uh, 6 to 14 miles an hour. Stay tuned now for Wabanaki Windows. And this is Wabanaki Windows for Tuesday, November 15th, 2016. I'm Amy Brown. I'm filling in this month for Donna Loring, who will be back with us next month. Sherry Mitchell and Don Neptune Adams of the Penobscot Nation are with us today, and Chief Kirk Francis will be joining us later. They're here to bring us all the latest on Standing Rock and reflect on what a Trump administration may mean for Native people. And we'll also let you know about Standing Rock solidarity rallies that are taking place across the state this afternoon as part of a National Day of Action. And a little bit later, we'll be opening the phone lines for your calls. Sherry Mitchell is an Indigenous rights attorney, frequent guest on WERU, and host of Love and Revolution, a syndicated show that airs here on the third Wednesday morning of each month, so you can catch it tomorrow morning in this time slot. And Don Neptune Adams is also something of a regular guest here on WERU. She works for the Sunlight Media Collective, producers of the documentary The Penobscot Ancestral River Contested Territory, which was nominated for a regional Emmy Award earlier this year. Don just returned from Standing Rock. Was that your second trip to Standing Rock? No, my first. Oh, it was your first. Okay. And did I leave anything out in either of you? I think I probably left a lot out in your bios, but anything that you want to add to either of your bios that I didn't mention there? No, not at all. Okay. Uh, So 
people have, at least people who listen to WERU, I'm sure, have heard of Standing Rock. The mainstream media has not done a great job of covering it. WERU has had uh, Democracy Now! covering it, and we have National Native News in the morning. And some of our local programs, including Donna with Wabanaki Windows, uh, Radioactive has has covered some of the issues, and we've done some live broadcasts from the solidarity rallies. But for people who don't know the background on this issue and have seen what the defenders are doing, can you fill in some of the details on how this got started and what it is that they're defending from? Sherry's going to go first. Okay. It's because Dawn looked at her and made a face. So <laughs> pointed with my turn. lips. <laughs> she, she deferred to her elder. <laughs> um, well, the... The issue really is about the um, infringement of the Dakota Access Pipeline across sacred um, Sioux territory and also um, through their primary water source, the Missouri River. And the people are standing there in order to protect the area. Um, LaDonna Brave Bull Allard started the action. She's a historian for the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe. And she wanted to protect that area. There was a massacre that occurred on that land. And the uh, victims of that massacre from the tribe are buried in that area. And so she stepped forward to protect that region and to protect the water source, knowing what a vital area it was for the entire tribe, but not only for the entire tribe, but for the entire region in regard to safety of the water source. And it's grown from there because people are starting to recognize that the protection of our water and the protection of the sacred is really coming to the forefront um, as an issue that is um, going to define how we engage life going forward. And I think that um, that's what people are responding to. And there are people there from all over the world. They have over 300 flags from different nations. They have people from... uh, I think every continent except Antarctica that have been there. And um, we expect the penguins to arrive next week. The penguins. Uh, <laughs> just, that's a little joke. <laughs> um, and so, uh, as you said, Don's just come back. And we have had, I think now, four contingents of Wabanaki people that have gone out with truckloads of supplies to help fortify the camp. Uh, We're going to be going out again. I'm going to be going out on December 2nd with another group who is going to be um, bringing supplies to outfit people for the winter because it's very, very cold and um, rugged terrain there for the winter months. And um, it's been, uh, in my opinion, what Standing Rock symbolizes is a testing ground for industrial terrorism, that they are testing the waters there um, to see how people are going to respond to this increased level of militarized um, bullying in regard to industry plowing through people's lands and um, plowing through their waterways and really eliminating the will of the people. So you have law enforcement standing to uh, allegedly protect industry from nonviolent, peaceful, prayerful uh, protectors and the amount of violence that they've been 
subjected to the peaceful people that are standing there at the hands of law enforcement is unprecedented. Um, we haven't seen this level of violence since the civil rights movement, and it's even greater at this point in time than what was seen there in some ways. Um, we have activities that are taking place there that are even outlawed under the Geneva Convention in war zones, and this is a peaceful um, stance by um, people who have committed to remain prayerful and nonviolent. So, um, and they keep pushing, and they keep pushing. They've been asked to stop twice by the federal government to voluntarily halt their activities until things can be um, reviewed and resolved, and they've not stopped. So they're not only are they breaking the law, violating people's civil rights and human rights, um, violating the Geneva Convention, they're also thumbing their nose at the authority of the federal government. And that's something that everybody needs to be paying attention to because, like I said, you know, this is a testing ground for the introduction of industrial terrorism on U.S. soil. They've been engaged in these type of activities, the oil and gas industry and other parts of the world, where they've completely decimated um, the lands and the waterways for people in Central and South America. And people have been disappeared and brutalized and removed forcibly, and now it's come home, and it's happening at Standing Rock. And so people really need to be paying attention to what's going on there um, because this is going to spread like wildfire if it's allowed to happen there. Don, you just returned uh, how many days ago? Uh, Thursday. So you just got back. I got back Thursday night. Talk yes. about that experience. Yes, I'd love to. Um, first, I'd like to say something that uh, a lot of people are forgetting about this, um, something that's that's not mentioned. And I'm not here to mince words. I'll call it what it is. Uh, this is environmental genocide, and this is desecration of sacred sites. Mm -hmm. um, this pipeline was supposed to go north of Bismarck. That was the original plan. And it was decided that there was too much threat to the water supply for a big city of Bismarck. And it was placed a half a mile from the intake valve of the water supply of the Standing Rock Reservation. These pipelines and these polluting industries, they don't plow through, um, you know, the golf courses of the 1%. Um, Soci sociologically, uh, economically disadvantaged um, places are targeted. So I just wanted to get that out of the way to begin with. So what was it like? <laughs> it was uh, an amazing experience. It was daily life was living outside of capitalism, outside of time. Um, I don't wear a watch and my phone was very rarely charged. So I, did, I never knew what time it was except for sunrise and sunset. Um, I would wake up in the morning with the first call about an hour before sunrise. I'd get up, make a fire, make some coffee, and then I'd head to the sacred fire where a water ceremony would start. It was this, this way of being that was very powerful it was, uh, you know, doing what needed to be done when it needed to be done. Being in ceremony in the morning and in the evening um, and existing outside of uh, everyday life of, of TV and noise and uh, connection to the Internet. Um, 
I very rarely knew what was going on in the outside world. It, it was, life was the camp, and that was that. Were there, uh, we saw in recent months, some real violence against the people who were there uh, from the, well, in Democracy Now! reported on quite a bit the dog attacks. You know, the, there are, um, I believe, private security firms mixed in there with the regular police. Did you witness any of that, or have things kind of calmed down a little bit since then? While I was there, <clears throat> we didn't. I, I didn't participate any uh, in any of the direct actions on the front line. Uh, I participated in a direct action in Mandan, which uh, we we completely surrounded the Morton County offices there. Um, that was led by two Indigenous women. I can't remember their name right, names right now, but um, it was a very peaceful and prayerful, uh, powerful action. Um, and there was no militarized police. That's pretty much um, uh, on the front lines and not in the big cities. So at the encampment, there are different uh, different sub uh, three main camps that are there at Sandy Rock. Is that right? There are many uh, camps, um, but the the biggest one is the Aseti Shikawan, and that's led by the Seven Council Fires. It's a Lakota-led camp. It used to be the overflow camp, but now it is a, a huge, huge uh, camp full of people of all, all different kinds. Red Warrior Camp is located mm-hmm. within that. It's within that yeah. one? Okay. Um, there's Sacred Stone Camp, which is across the river. There's the, uh, the camp uh, directly across from um, the Cannonball River from where I was camped, uh, which is on the Standing Rock Reservation which is mostly, um, you know, Native people and families. That's where the children are, are expected to be, is across the river over there. What is needed for support there? What, and I wonder if instead of an influx of a lot of people heading out there, if that's what's needed, or if it would be better for people to check in with whatever... Uh, tribal government or organizations are in their area to channel things through to find out, you know, if there are organizations that are sponsoring people to go out there. I know that there have been lists that have been posted in various places. How do people plug into that and do what's really needed? Sherry Mitchell. Well, we're doing that right now. We have a Wabanaki um, effort to send out people who are willing to stay for longer periods of time because a lot of people can only go out and stay for a week at a time. Uh, when I go out, I'm only going to be able to stay for a week to 10 days. And um, we want to be able to put people there who are supported, who have everything that they need to be able to sustain themselves because we don't want people um, going out there and putting a burden on the camp. They, they need bodies. They need people to be there to stand with them. It's really important for people to go there. However, people shouldn't just throw a backpack on and head to Standing Rock and expect to be taken care of there. They need to bring something to um, offer the camp when they arrive. And um, I know that there are other groups that I've talked to who wanted to know what they could do. And, um, you know, the the, um, the camps all have their own websites and Facebook pages, and they often have lists of supplies that are needed right now. Um, and 
that's important if you want to send things out there to look at those lists. Don't be sending them a bunch of things that they don't need that they're going to have to then get rid of because that just encumbers the camp further. Um, there's always uh, needed support for the Legal Defense Fund, Red Owl Legal Defense. And so if you're um, wanting to contribute, you can contribute to, uh, in the local area, you can contribute to the Wabanaki Fund. There's a GoFundMe page for that. Um, and we can probably get you the link to that to put up on the website. And, um, you know, find individuals in your community who might be able to go out and make the commitment to stay for at least a month at a time and um, stand with them there because the numbers of people standing with them is important. Um, You know, they're standing against incredible amount of um, false power and they need all the support that they can get. And we need to remember that they're not just standing for themselves, they're standing for us all and that we need to stand with them, you know, and not just for them in our own isolated little communities, but actually stand with them. I think that it's really important to make that distinction that, um, you know, people like to have um, little actions in their own little uh, siloed communities to say, you know, we're standing for these people, um, but how much more powerful is it for you to actually leave your comfortable little space and to go stand with them? Hmm. You know, and I think that that's um, something we've been trying to relay in the actions that we've been coordinating here in this area. We have another one today at noon, uh, West Market Square in Bangor, where we'll be marching to the federal building. And, um, you know, we've encouraged people, if you can, come and join us, stand with us. Um, you know, because it's much harder to ignore a large group of people gathered in one place than it is a bunch of small groups of people um, gathered together in individual places. If you absolutely can't do that, then do what you can from where you are. But take your guidance from the people who have been there, like Don, from the people who are there at the camps. They have been putting out really good information for people. And, um, you know, be mindful. Don't be be kind of... uh, I guess, um, impulsive in the Mm -hmm. way that you choose to help. Be really thoughtful about it and and strategic about what it is that you want to be able to offer them. Oh, that's a good segue into my next question. Let me remind listeners you're listening to Wabanaki Windows and WERU. Guests in the studio today are Sherry Mitchell and Don Neptune Adams. We will be talking with Chief Kirk Francis of the Penobscot Nation at about 1030. I'm Amy Brown filling in for Donna Loring this month, and I'm mostly going with Donna's questions and script here, but this is uh, something that I wanted to follow up on, uh, and you sort of led into it with what you were saying, Sherry. I read recently, someone had posted on social media, a really good bit of advice for allies on how to show up and be helpful and not be in the way or be taking over or to keep in mind that this is an indigenous action. It's um, that you need to uh, be respectful and there may be places that you need to ask permission before you enter and there are ways to respect ceremony. And so uh, since probably I think it'd be safe to bet that most of our listeners are, are white and consider themselves somewhere on the ally spectrum, how do people, what advice do you have for people? And not only if they're heading to Standing Rock, but also in solidarity actions here closer to home. Don, do you want to take that one? I sure can. Um, 
there is a way to be respectful and uh, to walk and in a respectful way. And uh, some of those things to remember are, if you identify as a woman, bring a long skirt uh, to wear to the sacred fire and to wear to ceremonies. Um, be mindful that when Native people are singing, that uh, you're not interrupting with a song. <laughs> um, I, I heard that happen at a water ceremony, um, uh, uh, you know, I think it was Thursday or Friday, when um, a large group of allies uh, started to sing when somebody else, you know, a Native person was already singing. There are rules, and... Um, you know, those rules will be outlined when you get there. There's a whiteboard where you can read them. Um, don't bring animals to the sacred fire. Uh, respect the horse nation as people because they are people. Uh, ask permission before taking pictures of the horse nation or of the children in the camp. Um, be mindful of people's privacy. Uh, and the biggest thing, I guess, is listen more than you talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I guess that would be the biggest thing. Um, and uh, one of the other things, I guess, it, that's pretty important is um, don't speak for Native people mm-hmm. without their permission. I was uh, at the medic area because I had lost my voice. I had been singing and, and praying and talking <laughs> for days, and I was starting to lose my voice. So I went there for some elderberry syrup which they gave me, um, you know. And I was there at the fire in the, the little medic camp uh, of, of many medics. And there was a, a box of sage that had been gifted to the medics, specifically from a woman who grew it in her backyard. And she had sent a little note that said, I grew this in my garden and I'm sending it to you because I know it's medicine. And I know you're doing doing wonderful work keeping everybody healthy. And uh, a young lady came over to the fire and grabbed the box and said, uh, this shouldn't be here. This should be with the Native people, and it, it should be at the sacred fire, and um, I'm taking it. And she grabbed that box, and she took it and ran. That was... That's just an example of of being disrespectful, and I'm sure she had wonderful intentions, but it was the wrong way to be. That was the wrong way of being. Sherry, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think that that's, um, you know, one of many stories that I've heard coming out of the camp where you have uh, non-Native people who are going there who are um, really struggling to overcome this sense of um, entitlement and to overcome the distorted image of Native people and this romanticized image of Native ceremony. And a lot of people are going there for their own New Age experience. And um, it completely detracts from the purpose of being there. And there have been a lot of instances where people... Um, have been angry because they haven't been allowed in certain ceremonies. They don't understand that there are there are protocols for each different ceremony that um, 
have a reason behind them and you may not understand that reason and people may not have the opportunity to sit down and hold your hand and tell you what that reason is. Um, But I think that most of those things can be solved by people just remembering why they're there. They're there to support the people of Standing Rock and they are guests in their territory and they should behave accordingly. And um, I also think that it's really important when you're talking about allies as Don said, to remember that, you know, the greatest thing that an ally can do is to hold up a platform for Native people to speak on their own behalf, that far too often um, people want to speak for Native people, and um, allowing Native people to speak on their own behalf is really important because a lot of the misinformation that's out there is the result of people speaking for um, Native people from their perspective on the outside looking in. Um, looking at it through their own filters and their own worldview without actually having any um, internal knowledge of what those things might mean or uh, having taken the time to ask what those things might mean. And um, it's really important if you want to help somebody to not assume what it is that they need but to ask them. Hmm. Ask them what it is that they need and then give them what they've told you and not what you think they need. That's paternalistic. And so, um, you know, even considering all of those things, still the experiences of people coming out of the camp are by and large very positive, that um, they're meeting people from all over the world, and the majority of those people are respectful. Um, It's it's just, uh, uh, you know, small groups of people who, as my grandmother would say, weren't raised right. You know, that need to be educated. Um, They've never had the opportunity to understand what it means to be in the presence of and in connection to the sacred and how you behave within a structure that is ever mindful of the sacred. You know, it's it's a learning process. And so, I, you know, when I think about those things, I think of them as children that have just not been taught those lessons. It sounds like some of the key words are uh, respect, humility, uh, maybe education, self-education, uh, as people are going into this to make sure that they have some um, sort of cultural context of making sure that they realize that they're going into what is something that's being led by, run by, and is an indigenous action, and that they're there in a support role, not to be taking over some kind of leadership role and bringing all this white privilege to the, to right. the table with it. Um, we're going to have uh, a Chief Francis on in about five minutes. Before we get him on, though, I wanted to just see if either of you have any thoughts about this announcement. Today it's being touted as a big breakthrough. The Army Corps of Engineers has decided that they're going to consult with the tribes about this. Mm. Um, any comments about that? Is it in any way the big positive announcement that it's being touted to be in some places, or do you uh, not hold out much hope for this? Well, I just, last Monday, um, I was in a a conference call with uh, one of the groups that I work with, the Indigenous Elders and Medicine People's Council, and we were in a conference call, and these are uh, spiritual elders from tribes across the United States, um, with the Department of Justice and the Bureau of Indian Affairs on consultation requirements. And one of the things that I think is really important for people to understand is that this idea of consultation with tribes has become a box that you can check. 
and that consultation without consent is completely empty. That um, meaningful consultation is a is a two way discussion where both parties are able to have a voice in what's being decided, mm-hmm. and in many instances, what they've cons- considered to be consultation is simply saying, uh, "This is what we're going to do," and so. You know, certainly this looks like the Army Corps taking a step back and saying, oh, we really did fail to consult in a meaningful way. Um, And they're citing the tribe's long history with that place, the uh, cultural importance of the location and the, um, you know, the protection of the waterway. But they're not talking about stopping this. They're talking about coming to terms with some type of... um, easement that can be guided to kind of um, mitigate harm, which is ridiculous. Um, And so again, um, unless something dramatic happens, it seems like another empty gesture. It's, um, you know, this whole idea of consultation is important, but without the addition of the consent decree being part of that, then the consultation piece really is nothing more than a symbolic gesture. All right. Well, we have Chief Francis on the phone. We'll be shifting gears and talking about um, how all of this may be uh, going to play out with a Trump administration Mm -hmm. and also opening the phone lines to calls from listeners. But joining us by phone now is Penobscot Nation Chief Kirk Francis. On November 9th, Chief Francis was elected president of the United and Southern Eastern Tribes at their annual meeting. USET is made up of 26 tribes. Excuse me, and is dedicated to enhancing the development of federally recognized Indian tribes, to improving the capabilities of tribal governments, and assisting the USET members in their governments in dealing effectively with public policy issues and in serving the broad needs of Indian people. And Donna Loring wanted to be sure that we passed along her congratulations as well as our own. So, congratulations, Chief Francis, and thanks for joining us again today on Wabanaki Windows. Well, thank you for having me, and I appreciate that. And. Uh as always, it's, uh, it's good to be on the show. Yeah, with unfamiliar host voice today, but Donna will be back next time. Uh, and I don't know, are you going to be with us for the next half hour? I didn't uh, check in with you ahead of time about how much time we had you with us. That's fine. I, I'm with you as long as you need me. Great. And we'll open the phone lines then after we ask you a question. Uh, the number here is 469-0500. Again, 469-0500 or toll-free 1-866-625-9378. But first... Uh, this is Donna's question that she wanted us to pass along. Your election comes at a very challenging time for Native people in this country. How do you see the Trump administration affecting tribal issues on a national scale? Well, I, I think uh, you're absolutely right. You know, what what is already uh, a very challenging environment in terms of trying to regain homelands, uh, environmental protections, a whole host of things with a very good administration on these issues. Um, We believe going forward and all we really have to go on right now is, is kind of the, the campaign rhetoric and also kind of what we've heard since the election in terms of um, what the approach is going to be in several key areas. So what we have to do is figure out, um, again, how we target uh, 
strategically agency people that are close to this administration, uh, people that are working on transitions uh, for this administration and try to, to the in the best way possible to insert um, a voice in that process. Uh, you know, we're obviously very concerned when we hear, um, you know, some of the environmental conversations with the tribe really engrossed in in two major fights around water quality and also um, uh, sustenance fishing rights. And so, uh, and, you know, and a lot of those issues have been driven uh, in support of the tribe by uh, by the agencies under the Obama administration. So, so you're right. I mean, it's a very challenging time. We have to figure out um, what our resources are in terms of uh, effectively communicating with the reality that exists today and and try to um, to build relationships with uh, human beings that hopefully will um, will will try to fight for some compromise in these um, in these mindsets. So, so I think that'll be our approach. You know, we've been meeting constantly about it. Uh, we're the tribe at Penobscot is in the process of. Um, really looking at our representation in D.C. right now and figuring out how to diversify that to, to fit what is happening um, today. So, so we just have to uh, keep rolling our sleeves up and, and try to find uh, some solutions. And, and, you know, I have to tell you, you know, optimism is a little bit shaking, I think, throughout Indian country. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to, we have to just, Remind listeners, you're listening to Wabanaki Windows. That guest on the phone that you just heard from is Chief Kirk Francis from the Penobscot Nation. We're also joined by Indigenous Rights Attorney Sherry Mitchell and documentarian Don Neptune Adams of the Penobscot Nation. And we are opening the phone lines at this point. If you have any questions or comments for them, the number here is 469-0500. Again, 469-0500 or 1-866-625-9378. Today is a National Day of Action against the Dakota Access Pipeline. There will be events taking place across the state. We'll let you know about a few of those. But before we do, I wanted to see if Don or Sherry would like to add to what Chief Francis just had to say about uh, the Trump administration and the potential impacts moving forward. Um, and, I mean, he is a partial owner of the of this pipeline. He has said that he would push Keystone XL forward. Um, thoughts? Well, you know, just reiterating what the Chief has said, there are, you know, a number of grave concerns. And my focus, I've already been called on to facilitate three discussions around this issue since the election and um, to try to get an idea of what the tenor is. Um, And as the chief said, largely what we're hearing right now is um, campaign rhetoric and a lot of inflammatory um, speculation about what's going to happen. And we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but we have a good idea. I mean, his history in, in relations to the tribe has been very um, contentious and and derogatory. He has um, allegedly hired a white supremacist as his transition chief for this process, and a climate yeah, yeah a, a climate denier 
is his top pick for the EPA. And so when we're dealing with that kind of narrow-mindedness, um, it, it's going to be very difficult to make inroads directly there, as the chief said. So the importance of being able to build relationships with others who have similar interests. In some of the work I've done, one of the um, most surprising things that happened was that a group of people who were um, challenging hydrofracking in their community, uh, you know, environmentalists and, you know, all of these people that would not normally be associated with the Tea Party, actually joined forces with the Tea Party, which was largely libertarian in that particular region, and stopped that action together. And I think that we need to be willing to put aside some of our petty differences to be reaching across these boundaries, to be forging relationships with people that have similar interests, to be finding where those interest convergence points are, and working together to hold the line and to try to... um, you know, continue moving in the direction that supports and sustains life. And in regard to indigenous rights, I think that um, we're going to have a challenge just to hold the line for the next four years. And so I think that those relationships and um, allied networks that we can build are are going to be vitally important as we do that work. All right. Uh, Jason, we know you're there, and please hang on for just a moment. We'll get to your call in just a second. I want to have Don Neptune Adams weigh in on that as well. Yes, I absolutely agree with what Sherry says about unity. Unity is going to be very important. Uh, It's time for all of us to unite together. This is the corporatocracy versus the rest of us. That is the the battle line. And uh, one of my Facebook friends last night shared a status that said, uh, fear is contagious, but so is courage. Mm -hmm. It's going to take a lot of courage for us to forge ahead. However, there is a lot of hope because, uh, for one thing, if this election had gone another way, let's just say Clinton had been elected, a lot of our friends and relatives would be just resting, mm-hmm. at thinking that th- everything was going to be okay, mm-hmm. yeah. and everything was not going to be okay. Uh, either way, this election it could turn out. We were going to have to work. We were going to have to organize and mobilize and work. And uh, at least now, everybody is aware of the danger ahead. And incentivized, I think, in a way that is probably unprecedented. I I agree. I think that it's really important for people to recognize the opportunity that this presents for us to organize and to begin uniting and working together in ways that we maybe never have before. All right. Jason in Newport, thanks for waiting. Jason called one 866 or 469 if you'd like to be next up on deck. Go ahead, Jason. Uh, I just want to... Um add that if you lose me, I'll call back because I've got a large uh, obstacle coming my way. But uh, I just want to speak on behalf of those who are resisting and making this courageous effort. From, from far away here in Maine, I'm just so proud of those people who, who put their body on the line. They're standing against an awesome force that, you know, is compelled to complete their uh, mission. So uh, congratulations. You have my support, uh, my heart, my mind, and my spirit. And, uh, you know, as a 70-year-old, I'm trying to find the energy uh, to join your action. So thank you both. You're so eloquent today. Thank you very much. 
Thank you, Jason. Thanks for calling, Thank Jason. You. Again, the number is 4690500 if you'd like to join us. Chief Francis, uh, another question for you from Donna. She uh, jokes that Sarah Palin may be appointed to the Secretary uh, or the Department of Interior under Trump. At least I think she's joking. She's not. Uh, but she notes that that uh, may not be really outside the realm of possibility given the appointment of Steve Bannum. Uh, so... And actually, this is directed to all three of you, but we haven't heard from you for a few minutes, Chief Francis. Uh, what do you think of the appointments Trump has made so far? You've touched on that a little bit. Um, any other insights or concerns? Yeah, well, yeah, there's a lot of concerns, and I don't think um, that's too far-fetched. I mean, you when you look at the list of um, people we're hearing about internally for Secretary of Interior, and you talk about a 74-year-old uh, co-founder and owner of an oil company being the Secretary of Interior, that's concerning. And when you have the second choice being a venture capitalist um, that, uh, you know, has ties to the likes of Chris Christie and other folks, um, and then Sarah Palin's on that list along with Donald Trump Jr., etc. And as you know, um, the... Uh, the Indian Affairs, the Assistant Secretary's Office, and and, uh, and all that is tasked with uh, dealing with and taking care of Indian country um, is housed within the Department of Interior. So, uh, so very very concerning. What we're hearing is that um, these secretaries are going to be given a great deal of autonomy and authority over the approach. Um, we believe it's going to be a toe the company line approach by all the agencies. When we look at the, the Environmental Protection Agency and Myron Abel, uh, who Sherry talked about earlier, uh, a non-believer in, in climate change, we're hearing about billions of dollars being pulled back from any climate change efforts internationally. Um, and again, the second choice for that post is a venture capitalist. Um, you know, an attorney general in Giuliani who's extremely uh, conservative. The Department of Justice plays a key role in in the protection of territorial removal and substance-based fishing rights and, and the associated authorities here in Maine. The EPA is playing a tremendous historic role right now in, um, in determining that sustenance fishing um, is a determining factor with, under the Clean Water Act in holding the state of Maine accountable for a human health criteria conducive to Indians actually being healthy. Um, we, we think that's all under attack. So I think that um, while Donna may have been a little tongue-in-cheek on that, um, that's, those are the types of people that are going to be in this administration. And um, so we have to figure out, and Sherry touched on the other thing, we just held a, an infrastructure uh, regional consultation at Penobscot uh, in response to the Dakota Access Pipeline. Uh, USET demanded that consultation. Uh, we had it, went through a whole list, many tribes attended. Uh, but, you know, our fear is this president is clearly focused on infrastructure above all else and, and will be. Uh, his first 100 days is going to be focused on the Keystone Pipeline. That agenda is out. Um, so we don't hold much hope that we're going to get support um, on the Dakota access issue within that administration, and you know, which will be devastating because, as 
you've mentioned uh, before, and the caller mentioned as well, I mean, what folks have done out at Standing Rock and the mere fact that the Army Corps is taking a step back, the mere fact that it's been stopped politically a few times, are really historic moves that I don't think um, you're going to get in this administration and really see that as a... Um, as they, if we're going to have successes there, they're, they're going to have to be political fixes, and they're going to have to be driven from the ground up by people, citizens. So um, I know that effort will continue to ramp up. My fear is, is um, that this administration will be very stubborn on it just by the attitude they're projecting or the approach they're projecting in terms of who their shortlist is of appointees and what their first 100-day agenda is. Thank you, Chief Francis. Sherry Mitchell. Yeah, and just adding to what the chief is saying that, you know, within the Department of Interior is also the Bureau of Land Management, which manages all of the federal lands. And so, you know, not only are we facing this kind of catastrophic bulldozing of the rights of indigenous people, but also the unraveling of protections on federal lands. And so um, there are a lot of current oil and gas leases that are already um, being exercised and um, and there's a lot of oil and gas exploration and extraction that's going on on federal lands and I think that we can expect that to amp up. So, um, you know, there are a lot of critical issues and when we start talking about having, um, as the chief said, this reveal, reveal, uh, repeal of Obamacare and how that impacts the... Um, additions that were granted to Indian Health Services to provide for the health and well-being of Native peoples, which is already really struggling um, funding-wise, and the additional um, income has not helped tremendously. It's just bringing it up to a, a basic baseline. Um, we're looking at some some catastrophic consequences across the board. And then talking about bringing in people like uh, Donald Trump's children, trying to get security clearance for them to be part of his transition team, um, looking at putting them in in um, positions of power um, with absolutely no experience other than, um, as Kirk said, being a, a you know venture capitalist type um, endeavors and and also um, with a single mindedness toward expansion of these things that are already presenting a very real threat to life. All right, well, where you're listening to Wabanaki Windows and WERU, my guests in the studio are, you just heard from Sherry Mitchell, who's an Indigenous rights attorney. We also have from the Sunlight Media Collective, Don Neptune Adams, and on the phone, Chief Kirk Francis. We also, we're going to take a call in just a moment, but I want to pause and let Don weigh in on this as well before we take a call and shift gears possibly. Yeah, I just wanted to um, to quickly mention that um, the, uh, he, Trump doesn't have uh, a magic wand that he can magically wave and erase all of these regulations and these agreements that we've made internationally. Uh, he's going to be mired in the same um, obstacles that, that uh, we the people are, which is uh, bureaucratic red tape. Uh, I read last night that it would take four years um, to withdraw from the Paris Agreement. Um, these international agreements with, that we've made with other countries, they're going to be resistant um, mm -hmm. to the U.S. withdrawing from these agreements. Uh, the Clean Power Plan, which limited um, coal emissions, uh, that's in court. 
Um, that's not something he can wave a magic wand and, and get rid of. Um, Naomi Klein uh, yesterday suggested sanctions against the U.S. if they withdraw from these international agreements. So there's there's already um, a lot of conversation going on around stopping these things, and it, it's just going to take us being vigilant about them and, and putting our weight, we the people, putting our weight behind the, this resistance. I think it's really important that people recognize what Don just said because there's a lot of fear that's being cultivated out there. And, um, you know, you can't just overturn a Supreme Court decision. There's, you know, there are a lot of things that people are worried that are going to happen that can't happen overnight. I mean, the the most at-risk populations of immediate threat are those without citizenship, which are the uh, immigrant populations, refugee populations. So, you know, we need to have a little bit of faith in the system that exists to help provide some protection. Thanks for waiting. Lindy in Southwest Harbor, go ahead. You're on uh, Wabanaki uh, Windows. Yes, good morning. Thank you, Amy, for the program. Uh, just calling in to thank Chief Francis for um, speaking and, and um, trying to bring some true uh, wisdom and knowledge to what is happening and to your rest of your panel. Um, uh, thank you so much because it's a, a spoonful of medicine for me today. I'm so devastated by... Uh, what's happening, and trying to find the courage just to walk down the street, as I know that many of the people in this community, Southwest Harbor, uh, voted for Trump. I feel frightened. I can imagine how uh, Native Americans feel, and um, I just want to add that a feminist for a long time been saying that the patriarchy is digging in for their last hold. They're, they're scared to death of losing their white male privilege, and uh, uh uh, it is going to take a lot of courage to stand up and resist with dignity. And uh, oh, the wisdom I'm hearing from you all today is uh, giving me courage just to step out the door today. So thank you so much. Thank you for your call, Lindy. Thank you. Thank you, Lindy. Thank you. And I'll uh, have the folks here respond to that. I just want to give the phone number. If you've been trying to get through and getting a busy signal, we do have one phone line open now and about 10 minutes left to the program. So if you'd like to call and ask a question or make a comment, the number here is 469 469-0500. 469-0500 is the local number. And toll-free, 1-866-625-9378. And Sherry, you were touching on that before we went to the call with Lindy about what gives you hope. Um, and do any any of you want to weigh in with a little bit more on that vein of, of hope and banding together and the, sort of the yin-yang of this whole thing that's the, drawing the pendulum in the other direction? And uh, after you do that, we will take another phone call. Well, I think it's really important for people to recognize that, um, you know, life is a duality, that every time there is real ugliness, there is incredible beauty on the other side, when there is incredible darkness on the other side of that is brilliant light. And so right now we have an incredible opportunity to be cultivating some um, relationships, to be cultivating some um, grassroots uh, actions that are going to bring people together, I think, um, in ways that we haven't seen in this country perhaps ever, because we're not just dealing with an issue of race. We're dealing with 
um, you know, multiple populations. We're dealing with women. We're dealing with the gay and lesbian community. We're dealing with the environmental folks. We're dealing with the immigrant population. We're dealing with, um, you know, racial issues. So we have this real opportunity for broad-spectrum collaboration um, to occur here in this country to actually allow us to put aside some of the um, competitiveness and some of the distortion that may have existed between those groups as they've all been struggling to get attention to come together in a united front to um, work toward the things that are most vital for our survival and for the promotion of justice in this country that we have this whole um, experiment of democracy is still in its experimental phase um, and the we, the people part, uh, you know, is essential for us to really remember that if we want to be forming this more perfect union, we have to be willing to come together and to put our dis- differences aside and to work toward the common good. And I think that this provides us with an opportunity to do just that. Don, did you want to add something? I think it's really important to remember that we are living in times of prophecy, um, this has been talked about for a long, a long time um, f- from cultures around the world. And I'd just briefly like to read this uh, prophecy from Crazy Horse from 1877. He said, Upon suffering beyond suffering, the red nation will rise again, and it shall be a blessing for a sick world, a world longing for light again. I see a time of seven generations when all the colors of mankind will gather under the sacred tree of life and the whole earth will become one circle again. In that day, there will be those among the Lakota who will carry knowledge and understanding of unity among all living things. And the young white ones will come to my people and ask for this wisdom. I salute the light within your eyes where the whole universe dwells. For when you are at that center within you, and I am at that place within me, we shall be as one. Thanks, Don. Chief Francis, do you want to weigh in on what gives you hope? Yeah, I think, you know, just being immersed in in this issue and in these politics over the last six, seven, eight years, uh, what gives me hope is I see the tremendous resiliency among Indian people, the uh, tremendous amount of talent that exists out there, you know, having the first Indian solicitor in the Department of Interior, for example. We have Indians on federal benches. We have countless Indian attorneys like Sherry. We have, um, we just have a tremendous knowledge base within, um, within the Indian community now of how to maneuver through these systems how to participate and how to demand change in in progress. And I think, you know, as Sherry pointed out, um, there's a lot of this rhetoric is is kind of unrealistic um, to to go in and accomplish. Um, It's going to take more. It takes a Congress. It takes, you know, a whole host of things to happen for a lot of these things to to work. You know, there are some things that concern me, and, and we talked about, Indian health care, the gutting of the Department of Education, and the gutting of the Environmental Protection Agency, those are things he can do. And I think that um, we need to focus on those those issues that are low-hanging for them and get ourselves inserted. But what really gives me hope is that I believe that we have the people who are on the right side of these issues, and uh, we 
privilege to participate. You know, Indian people have been through a lot more than a Trump presidency. So I think that, um, you know, we're going to be just fine at the end of the day and going to be challenging, but that's nothing we're not used to. One of the things that I tell people is, you know, if Indian people can survive Andrew Jackson, then you all can survive Trump. (laughs) We have Aaron from Rockport on the line. Uh, Time for just this one last quick call, and then we'll let you know about the uh, solidarity actions happening today. Uh, Go ahead, Aaron. Aaron, if you have your radio and you need to turn it off, please. Go ahead, Aaron. Hi. Sorry, I've got my radio on here. Yeah, we know. Okay. Thank you, Bill. Thanks. Do you have um, a quick comment? We're running out of time. We have about yeah, three minutes left to the show. Quickly, uh, may cover this, but you know, concrete action we can take today moving forward uh, to help support the cause. And thank you for the inspirational words. And uh, forgive me if you covered that already in the show, but nope, that's a perfect segue into where we're going next. Thanks, Aaron, for your call. Uh, who wants to pick that up? Well, we're having a, a solidarity action today in Bangor at noon at West Market Square. And um, we're going to be bringing our concerns to the federal building. And um, there's going to be uh, some cards that we're going to hand out for people to sign that will go to the Army Corps of Engineers Um and we're expecting a pretty significant turnout today. Uh, we're also going to be, the Maine Humanities Council is hosting an event tonight at Nocturnum in Bangor at 6.30 p.m., where we're going to talk about the role of citizenship. What are our responsibilities and our roles as citizens to address some of the challenges that we're facing? So those are two immediate things to get involved with, where there will be more information provided on things that are coming up down the road. Don, did you have anything you wanted to add? I think Sherry covered it perfectly. I wanted to ask you about uh, media sites. Where do you recommend people go for information to stay up to date on these issues? Yeah, I I like the citizen journalism um, of Myron Dewey and Marshall Lee and many others on the front line who are keeping us all informed. I was actually much better informed um, when I was on Facebook at home than I was in camp, uh, where there's no Wi-Fi in camp. It, it was kind of like playing telephone. You know, somebody would hear something and, and pass it on to the next person and pass it on to the next person. But uh, definitely um, tune into Myron Dewey, Marshall Lee. Um, go to asetishikawancamp.org and learn how you can uh, donate to the cause. Um, this is the, the native-led camp. Um, uh, definitely Brenda Norell of Censored News. She um, is sent a lot of information as well. All right. We'll put some of those links up on the archive page. We have about two minutes left. So quickly, Sherry, and then we'll get a last word from Chief Francis. Well, I think we also need to direct people to um, the Sunlight Media Collective Facebook page. Um, folks can also find a lot of information on my um, Facebook page, which is um, facebook.com slash sacred instructions uh donland environmental defense page that we have a lot of information um that we put out on on local activities but also on some of these larger issues okay we have just one minute left so any uh final thoughts chief francis no i think uh you know we've touched on all the challenges how we can overcome them i think you know with this dakota access issue you know spending time now twice in in washington dc which
a civil authority has issued required monthly test for the following counties slash areas. Maine, at 10.55 a.m. on November 15, 2016 effective until 11.40 a.m. This is a coordinated monthly test of the emergency alert system for the state of Maine. If this were an actual emergency official information would follow the alert tones. People have done a very good job of uh, elevating that conversation and we'll continue to do that ourselves. All right. Thank you very much for joining us today. And thank you all. That was Chief Kirk Francis of the Penobscot Nation. We've also been speaking with Sherry Mitchell, an Indigenous rights attorney, and Don Neptune Adams of the Sunlight Media Collective, also of the Penobscot Nation. Uh, one more place to watch for news, if you're on Twitter, is the hashtag NoDAPL. That'll connect you to everyone who's using that hashtag in their tweets. You've been listening to Wabanaki Windows on WERU. I'm Amy Brown filling in for Donna Loring, who will be back next month. And our studio engineer today was John Greenman. Keep it tuned here for On the Wing, coming up next here on Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Thanks for listening. Support for WERU comes from our generous listeners. Thank you. Community Radio exists only because of your support. This is WERU General Manager Matt Murphy thanking everyone who played a role in our recently concluded fall pledge drive. Many of you contributed dollars and many of you volunteered. Some did both. We thank you all. Whether you phoned during the pledge drive, gave online, mailed in your donation, or are a sustaining member, you make a big difference with your generosity. You can be sure that WERU will use your donations to continue to make great community radio, as it has for 28 and a half years. Once again, thank you. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Handmade Papers Gallery in Brooklyn, specializing in custom lampshades, lamps, wooden wares by Lou Charlotte, and more. Featuring artist James Dodds, 113 Reach Road in Brooklyn, 359-8345, handmadepapersonline.com. It's 11 o'clock on this Tuesday, November 15th. You're tuned to Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org.
Good morning and welcome to On the Wing with your host, Rich Hilsinger. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining me today. Three hours of music coming your way. Let's just start it off with Kate Dunton's brand new album with her trio. They call themselves Trio Kate. The new song Casual, the new CD Casual, that is. The tune we've selected to start today's show. They call it Under the Bridge. Trio Kate.
by intolerance our world refuses to see we're connected yes we're connected we're connected because we need the same thing we
They're closed hearts, so they'll see we're the same. Connected, looking to be loved, accepted, accepted. Our world can change. Stars. Alyssa Allgood and her band from her brand new album, Out of the Blue, there's Speak No Evil. Before that, Will Bonas from his brand new CD, Halcyon, we heard the tune The Mystic. And Kate Dutton and her trio began this morning's show at 11 o'clock doing Under the Bridge from their new album, Casual. 1121 here at Community Radio, WERUFM. The show's on the wing with your host, Rich Hilsinger. Thanks to everybody out there who participated, volunteered, contributed to this radio station all last week during our fund, uh, our fall pledge drive. Believe me, it is very, very, very much appreciated by everybody here at Community Radio. Thanks again. Here's Jeff Oster from his brand new album, Live, Once in a Blue Moonlight. Thank you. 
getting late I'll be on my way Seems that you have nothing left to say But now that you have had a few Words that were lost have found their way I love you, adore you, awake but in the night Deceive you and leave you Sleeping wild 
such a long, long time. Looks like I get you over my mind, but I can't. Turns my whole world Mr. Blue I thought I was okay But just the mention of your name Turns a flicker to a flame Now baby, baby I think of the things that we used to do
It's Aretha Franklin, It Ain't Fair, from a wonderful album called The Delta Meets Detroit, Aretha's Blues. That takes us up to 1142 right here at WERU-FM Community Radio. On this Tuesday, November 5th, cloudy day, we have rain moving in later on this afternoon, this evening. It'll continue throughout the night and uh, through a good bit of tomorrow. Much needed rain, by the way. And then on Thursday, clearing up, and boy, we get right back to this Indian summer-like weather for uh, Thursday and Friday. All right. So before Aretha Franklin, we heard uh, Brenna Whitaker from her self-titled brand-new album, Misty Blue was the cut. The Olympians on Daptone Records, their self-titled new album, we heard Venus Nora Jones from her uh, brand-new album, Daybreaks. It's been out for... I think maybe a couple months now, on Blue Note. She's on tour. She'll be down at the uh, State Theater in Portland coming up later on in the beginning of the uh, new year, perhaps in February, if I remember right. But don't don't take my word for it. That should be a nice show. This album, Daybreaks, it's a lot more jazz-oriented. It goes back to sort of her, her roots, where she started, and a really, really nice group of people playing on the album with her. It'll be interesting to see who she has as a, as a traveling band for the, for the tour. It should be a great show. Nora Jones, we heard Sleeping Wild from that Daybreaks album. And Jeff Oster started this last set off from his brand-new album, Live, Once in a Blue Moonlight. Jeff, a wonderful trumpet player, and he has a great bunch of musicians backing him up on this live album. Let's keep the music going right here at Community Radio. The show's on the wing with your host, Rich Hillsinger. Here's a request from her brand-new album, Secular Hymns, Madeline Peru, 
doing the uh, Tom Waits tune, Tango Till They're Sore. start to roar the boys all go to hell and then the cubans hit the floor they climb along the pipeline they tango till they're sore they take apart their nightmares and they leave them by the door or let me fall out of the window with confetti in my hair deal out jacks or better on a blanket by the stair secrets, but I lie about my past, so send me off to bed forevermore. Make sure they play my theme song, I guess Daisy's a laugh to do, just get me to New Orleans and paint shadows on the pews, cut the skin on that pig, kick the drum and let me down. Put my clarinet beneath your bed till I get back in town. Let me fall out of the window with confetti in my hair. A deal out jack so better on a blanket by the stairs. I'll tell you all my secrets, but I lie about my past. So send me off to bed forevermore. She'll be all in calico or the color of a doll. So wave your flag on Cadillac Day. Hang a skillet on the wall. Cut me a switch. Oh, hold your breath till the sun goes down. Write my name on a hood. Send me off to another town. Let me fall out of the window with confetti in my hair. A deal out jack so better on a blanket by the stairs. But I lie about my past So send me off to bed forevermore Send me off to bed
turn me over slow I've been jabbed in my left side with a police 44 Now when all the ladies heard That old stack of me was dead Some come dressed in orange color Some come dressed in red
fast asleep when she did her midnight creeping. Gonna find her. Do you want to groove to some great laid-back, bluesy, and soulful jazz on a Tuesday night? And join me, June, for Jazz Alchemy, 6 to 8 p.m. on Tuesday evenings. I mix it up, but always try to spin some truly deep-felt, inspiring jazz to further you on your journey and delve deeper into your passion for jazz, for the great American art music. Keep 89.9 and 99.9 set on your FM dial and share some great jazz together with me on Jazz Alchemy, the magic mix of jazz. And I hope to catch you next time, every Tuesday, 6 to 8 p.m., here on WERU Community Radio. Support for On the Wing comes from Smith & May, Inc. and Hearth and Patio Showroom, warming main hearths for over 30 years, offering alternative heating sources in wood, gas, and pellet stoves, fireplaces, and a full line of accessories. Open Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5, located in West Rockport and online at smithandmay.com. 
At 12 noon, you're tuned to Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online around the world at WERU.org. Hey, you're tuned to On the Wing on this Tuesday, November 15th, with your host, Rich Hillsinger. Thanks for joining me. Nice to have you out there. Once again, from everybody here at Community Radio, thank you so much to everybody out there who joined us last week in our fall pledge drive. We still have a little ways to go before the end of the year. Your support makes this community radio station possible. Always keep that in mind. If you didn't get a chance to give, you can still uh, still do so at uh, our website, weru.org. It's real easy. Or you can call any day, Monday through Friday, here to the station at 469-6600 and make a pledge. Madeline Peru started that last set from her new album, Secular Hymns. We did the Tom Waits, uh, we heard the Tom Waits tune, Tango Till They're Sore. Irma Thomas was up next doing Since I Feel Fell for You. Sorry about that. That goes way back, that tune. From the musical mojo of Dr. John, celebrating Mac and his music. Then we stuck with that CD. It's a favorite around here right now. Tab Benoit was up next to Stack Lee. And Chuck Lavelle, fine, fine piano player, followed that doing Traveling Mood. We're going to stay with this album right now as we begin the second hour. 4690500, if there's anything special you want to hear. Um, and a reminder... Coming up at 2 o'clock today, a brand new show. Should be great. It's called The Second Line, featuring a lot of music from down the part of the world they call New Orleans. So stay tuned for that at 2 o'clock. That should be cool. Here's Ryan Bingham, again from this Dr. John celebrating Mac and his music CD, double CD. Ryan Bingham doing Back by the River.
if someone else, look here, when I first met you, baby, you had me hypnotized, I gave you 20 long years of my life, now you're trying to move me aside, you got a young man driving my Cadillac, wearing fancy clothes and diamond rain, laughing and talking out the side of his mouth, said he's hip to everything, you call me an old Say you're gonna set me on the shelf Stop at the mirror And take a good look at yourself What's so old are you? Gonna be new to someone else What's so old are you, baby? What's so old are you, baby? Gonna be new to someone else You got what you wanted But that love did not last You're calling me up every night Talking about what we had I didn't leave you, baby You left on your own Now you stepped in your own trap Why don't you leave me alone? You called me an old man Said you're gonna set me up on the shelf Now that young man left you And you're all by yourself What's well, so do you, baby? Yeah, gonna be new to someone else. My new lady, she treats me right. Said we talk things over, we don't fuss and fight. She don't call me old, she says I'm just a man. She likes to hug me, kiss me, and squeeze me. I'll be here to someone else. What's all to you, baby?
Anders Osborne, a young Anders Osborne, going back to 2001 there from that great CD Ash Wednesday Blues we heard Kidding Me. Before, before that, Bobby Purify. Remember him? He put out a, out a great album in 2005. Um, better to have it. We heard the tune What's Old to You. I'm trying to remember Bobby and uh, his brother. I'm your puppet. Remember that tune? Gut goes back to the 60s. Great, great tune. Van Morrison, 
Before that, doing that nice instrumental piece, Caledonia Swing from his brand new album, Keep Me Singing. John Boutet, Let's Make a Better World. Hmm, really. From the musical mojo of Dr. John celebrating Mac and his music, and from that same album, Ryan Bingham started this last set off doing Back by the River. All that music takes us up to 1221 right here at Community Radio, WERU-FM. Listener-supported, volunteer-powered, independent community radio. The show is on the wing with your host, Rich Hilsinger. Here's Mississippi Heat from their brand-new album, Cab Driving Man, a song, Smooth Operator. Now you cut it out. You're a
The Kinks. Shangri-La from the Krinks, The Kinks Chronicles. Before that, Ala Las from their new album, Calico Review. We heard 200 South La Brea. Devendra Banhart doing Saturday Night came before them. Their new album, Ape in Pink Marble. Liz Mandeville doing One Dance from her new CD, The Stars Motel. Mr. Leroy Parnell, Just Lucky That Way. That goes way back, early 2000s. Leroy's CD, Back to the Well. And Mississippi Heat started this last set doing Smooth Operator from their brand new album, Cab Driving Man, on Delmark Records. 1247, right here at Community Radio, WERU-FM, the show on the wing with your host, Rich Hilsinger. Thanks for tuning in today. It's always a pleasure to have lots of people out there listening. Let's take a quick look at the uh, Community Bulletin Board, and we'll get back to more music. There's a class up in Bangor this afternoon, starting a little more than an hour. You can learn how to navigate online shopping and maintain your privacy. It's going to be at the Bangor Public Library starting at 2 o'clock this afternoon. It's uh, The class is entitled Online Shopping and Privacy. Uh, privacy. It's great for those new to using the Internet. This is a drop-in class. There's no registration needed. For more information, you can go online at bpl.lib.me.us. Again, that'll be at the Bangor Public Library this afternoon starting at 2 o'clock. In Bar Harbor, the Human Ecology Forum will be presenting A Climate to Thrive on MDI, Envisioning a Just Future for All. It'll take place this evening around 4 o'clock at the McCormick Lecture Hall. That's on the College of the Atlantic campus, 105 Eden Street in Bar Harbor. For more information, lbjerke at coa.edu. Also over in Bar Harbor later on this evening, Hope is Not a Plan, featuring Atul Gawande, the author of Being Mortal. The documentary exploring the hopes of patients and families facing terminal illness and their relationships with the physicians who treat them will be followed, uh, followed with a facilitated discussion. It's at the MDI Biological Laboratory. That's in Bar Harbor. Again, this evening at 6 p.m. For more information, there's a phone number, 667-2531. There are a number of vigils going on in supporting uh, the community out at Standing Rock, North Dakota. There's a number of them that took place, probably still going on, at 12 noon uh, throughout the state of Maine. We have a couple more coming up this afternoon at 4.30 in Bethel at the Gem Theater. Also in 4.30, uh, at 4.30 in Waterville, the UU Church. And then on tomorrow, November 17th, I'm sorry, uh, Thursday, November 17th. It'll be down in Portland, a vigil at the Payson Smith Hall on the campus of University of Southern Maine, and that one will begin at 5.30. Again, all these vigils in support of the community of Standing Rock. Bay Chamber Concerts, in partnership with the Farnsworth Art Museum, it presents Music at Noon, lunchtime concerts monthly through the month of February. Take a midday break with light lunch and great music in the relaxed, intimate atmosphere at the Farnsworth in downtown Rockland. 
The hour-long performances will begin at 12 noon. Tickets include a freshly prepared lunch provided by the Atlantic Baking Company, plus access to the museum following the performance. Wednesday, November 16th at noon, it's Palaver Strings at the Farnsworth Art Museum Auditorium. For more information on all these concerts, you can go to baychamberconcerts.org. In Wiscasset, uh, the Morris Farm Community Thanksgiving Potluck will be held tomorrow on Wednesday with two seatings at 5 p.m. and 6.30 p.m. Morris Farm will be supplying all the, uh, all the foods, uh, but guests are also uh, invited to bring uh, salads, vegetable dishes, desserts, and drinks. The Morris Farm is at 156 Gardner Road in, uh, in Wiscasset. Space is limited. So they'd like an RSVP to let us know you'll be coming and what potluck dish you'll be bringing by going to the website www.morrisfarm.org. And the Blue Hill Public Library Play Reading Group will read A Sleep of Prisoners by Christopher Fry. It's an anti-war verse drama in the form of a religious drama. It'll take place Wednesday, November 16th, 6.30 in the evening until 9 the group meets the third Wednesday of every month and welcomes inexperienced and experienced readers alike. The only criteria are the love of plays and the joy of reading them aloud among like-minded theater fans. For more information, Blue Hill Library at 374-5515 or call Michael Donahue at 374-5248. There you go. Quick look at our community bulletin board for the complete listing, go to this station's website, weru.org, and click on Community Bulletin Board for the complete listing. It's about eight minutes before 1 o'clock on this Tuesday, November 15th, here at Community Radio. The show's on the wing with your host, Rich Hilsinger.
Love the sounds of New Orleans? Jump into the second line, where you'll hear everything from Dixieland to brass bands, jazz, Zydeco, and so much more. Starting November the 15th on Tuesdays from 2 to 4 p.m. right here on WERU. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from the Christian Science Society of Ellsworth 
presenting Learn to Pray and Heal, a spiritual adventure and Thanksgiving celebration with music by Lisa Redfern and speaker Nate Frederick on Saturday, November 19th, starting at 12.30 p.m. in the community room of the Ellsworth Public Library on 20 State Street, 479-9234-christianscience.com. It's 12.59 and you're tuned to Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. We have an hour left here on today, uh, Tuesday, November 15th, edition of On the Wing with your host, Rich Hilsinger. We're going to fill it up with as much music as we can. That was Dawes right before the top of their hour from, I think, their best album that they've put out yet. It's called We're All Gonna Die. And that was the tune Roll With The Punches. Dawes, 469-0500. If you have any comments or of anything you'd like to hear in this next hour or perhaps next Tuesday when I'm back, um, again, 469-0500. Jonathan Brooke has a brand new album out. It's entitled Midnight Hallelujah. And uh, let's hear a few tunes off of that. The first one here, Light Years. Jonathan Brooke. We said I love you so easily Like honey on our daily Give us this day, you would always say The rest was better left unsaid But now you're calling my name You sing your melancholy refrain You give me wings when I have no strength remaining Though you're
kiss my rainstorms, kiss your flowers, and you fill my lies. I'll be your tall drink, and I'll be your clear thing. You kiss my future, and I'll kiss your past. You'll be my wings spread, you'll be my high head, I'll be your apple, you'll be my plum. You'll be my birthday, I'll be your always, I'll be your stiff wind blowing you home.
the Ruby Friedman Orchestra. Nice tune. Lonely Road Symphony Rag from their new album, Gem. Chris Demholst before that doing Water Water from her 2016 recording, Strange Conversation. And Jonathan Brooke has a brand new album out called Midnight Hallelujah. We featured three tunes off of it. The first one, Light Years. That was followed by You and I. And the last one, Mean Looking Jesus, Jonathan Brooke. At 118 here at Community Radio, WERU-FM. Your host, Rich Hilsinger, on this Tuesday, November 15th, the show On the Wing, we got about maybe 40 minutes left, and then Sarah Jane will be in with the brand-new show, The Second Line, so that should be a great two hours of music. Coming up at 2 p.m., that'll be followed by all sorts of excellent public affairs programming and music shows throughout the evening and all night long here at Community Radio, WERU-FM. Here's Little Red Lung from that tribute album to Emmylou Harris, Diamond in My Crown. Sweet 
runway. Fishermen cast their nets, looks like spider webs, reflecting on the water by the bay. The back of an El Camino you were staying in, my little runaway. I miss my friends, I miss old Willie P. He could blow a prison whistle, should have been against the law. I got this bag of prison whistle. I put it at your feet. My little runaway. My little runaway. Never made it to the Hall of Fame. My little runaway. Come on back. Make it rain. like a picture on the wall I got all my dreams put them in an empty glass my little runaway there's a flashing neon sign of a road runner lights up the trailer park at night we're 1500 miles from the border Turn to tell my story and I guess it's worth a try 
Something else to do. You okay with me too? So tell me what you gonna, what you gonna, what you gonna do? Well, okay, boohoo. So now the happy hour is raining on my shoes, and it's not all that important which poison that you choose when you're tuning up to sing the rum and coke and whiskey blues and that melody. Comes through, and now you're paying your dues. A come kind, bossy, come bossy, come along. Come a kind, bossy, come along. Come a kind, bossy, come bossy, come along. Come along, come along, come along, and come on. Back before I drove a pickup and I took a bucking bales, come along, come along. I was looking high and low for meaning. I was into saving whales before they're all gone. But the weeds grow high, it's where it all begins. When I stop to wonder why that was fertile ground for sin, just pour some whiskey on. And watch the fun begin. Come along, come along. What could possibly go wrong? Your poor little whiskey on that fertile patch of soil. Come along, come along. Sprinkle in a little heartache. Watch the ground begin to boil. Now it's. Coming on strong. As it starts to take a shape, there ain't nothing there to like. You best have quick reactions to the rattle, coil, and strike. It's time to change the scenery. It's time to hit the pike. And okay, I'm gone. They say each of us has meaning. Time to bring that all to light. Well, alright, right on. Come along. Come a kind, bossy, come along. Come a kind, bossy, come, bossy, come along. Come along, come along. Come a kind, bossy, come, bossy, come along. Come a kind, bossy, come along. Come a kind, bossy, come, bossy, come along. Come along, come along. Come on. 
picking up pieces My broken heart A lifetime to make A moment to break These pieces apart Picking up Some man blue. Leaving this city Ain't it a pity These pieces of you Me on my mind Pieces of you And me on my mind A lifetime of trying I'm leaving behind Pieces of Mandolin Orange. Beautiful tune there, picking up pieces from their brand new album, Blind Faller. Leonard Cohen before that, from the 2004 recording Dear Heather, live version of Tennessee Waltz. Bob, we are doing Kai Bassi from his brand new one, Blue Mountain. Verlin Thompson, Little Runaway. 
from a wonderful new tribute album, Highway Prayer, a tribute to Adam Carroll, and Little Red Lung, Diamond in My Crown, from the tribute album to Emmy Lou Harris. 139 here at Community Radio, WERU-FM. The show's on the wing with your host, Rich Hilsinger. Here's a new album that just arrived. T Sisters, it goes, they go by. T Sisters, here's the song, Fight Song. from the
Rachel drove out to the country to take her mind off of the town. She was running from the lights of the city, searching for the home that she'd run away from. Sick of staring at that machine, sick of the work, sucking her in to believe in that screen was reality. Known to the world she'd been living in.
Blackie and the Rodeo Kings. From their CD, Let's Frolic, there's Love and Cup. Miss Lonely Hearts before that doing The River from their brand new recording, Lost Highway. Liam Gurner, Mother Nature's Runaway Girl from his brand new one, Land of No Roads. And T-Sisters, their self-titled brand new album, we heard Fight Song. 156 right here at Community Radio WERU-FM. The show has been on the wing with your host, Rich Hilsinger, on this on this Tuesday, November 15th. Thanks for the phone calls. Always a joy to be here sharing music with our listening audience out there. Again, thank you to everybody out there who helped with our most recent fall pledge drive. Still have a little ways to go. We'll be talking about that in the weeks to come so we can get the necessary monies before the end of the year. Stay tuned for The Second Line, a brand-new show here at Community Radio with your host, Sarah Jane. Going to be a good one. We're going to let Alejandro Escovedo bring the curtain down on today's show. From his brand-new album, Burn Something Beautiful, here's Luna de Miel. I'll catch you next week.
Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Creature Quarters, providing doggy day camp and overnight boarding in Surrey, Maine. Creature Quarters on Facebook or at CreatureQuarters.com. Community radio exists only because of your support. This is WERU General Manager Matt Murphy, thanking everyone who played a role in our recently concluded fall pledge drive. Many of you contributed dollars and many of you volunteered. Some did both. We thank you all. Whether you phoned during the pledge drive, gave online, mailed in your donation, or are a sustaining member, you make a big difference with your generosity. You can be sure that WERU will use your donations to continue to make great community radio, as it has for 28 and a half years. Once again, thank you. Support for WERU comes from Real Pizza Cinerama, MDI's year-round community twin cinema on Bar Harbor's Village Green. More information at 288-3811 or realpizza.com. Hey, how you doing out there, everybody? And welcome to a new show here at WERU called The Second Line, bringing you music in the style of New Orleans, Louisiana, the birthplace of jazz and home to a special musical culture that's recognized and celebrated all over the world. My name is Sarah Jane, and I'll be your host here starting today and every Tuesday from 2 to 4 p.m. So we're going to hear and hopefully do a little dance into some New Orleans jazz, blues, R&B, brass bands, bounce music, and some other genres that maybe bend uh, a few of those first ones I mentioned. Now, the name of the show, The Second Line, comes from a long-standing tradition of brass band parades here in New Orleans. The first line, or the main line, refers to the actual club hosting the parade along with the musicians. And then the second line is the people jumping in behind the first line, just following along and dancing to the music, maybe waving a handkerchief or a parasol in the air. So that's us. That's us, you guys. We're going to be following along, partying, listening to the music. So, I hope you enjoy that. Now, I'd like to set the stage just a little bit. We have to know a little bit of the ingredients in this dish that we call New Orleans music. So, up until about the early 1900s, what were people listening to? A lot of people in the U.S. are listening to a few kinds of music, and I'm going to play you a few little samples here. So, first, we have out of Europe some military-style marching band music. Sounds a little bit like this. Hold on one second. All right, hold on with us just one moment here, folks. Uh, we've got some technical difficulties, but we're working it out. Thanks for tuning in here to WERU. We are getting started here on the show, The Second Line. We just got a few things to work out. A couple of technical kinks, but no worries. We're going to be listening to some great music today, all in the style of New Orleans. 
Okay, so you get the idea. We've got some military band, marching-style music, uh, popular here up until the early 1900s. And then also in this time period, uh, we have ragtime piano that sounds a little bit like this. Okay, so that was the Maple Leaf Rag. All right, so just a little sample for you. In the meantime, you also have a lot of people that came over from Africa that were enslaved that are gathering in the city square to play drumming music that sounded a bit like this. Right, and also we've got in the same time period some old church spirituals and work songs that were sounding a bit like this. All right, so we have all these elements fused together and gave birth to a new sound that we know and love called New Orleans jazz, a sound that was born out of the early 1900s and continues to evolve today. And so to kick off the show, we're going to hear a little Louis Armstrong, the great Satchmo, one of the very pioneers of New Orleans jazz music.
That was Louis Armstrong with Heebie Jeebies. All right, Louis Armstrong, also known as Satchmo, he was a trumpet player and arguably one of the more famous jazz musicians of all time. He played with a lot of the other great New Orleans jazz guys of that time King Oliver, Sidney Bechet, and others. He grew up in New Orleans and he was probably one of the first jazz musicians to record a lot of those new sounds and was really respected for his style of improvisation. He had a career that was long. He was recording music for over 40 years before he passed away in 1971. So for this show, for the second line, uh, we're going to be featuring four to five New Orleans artists every week. I'm going to try and pull artists from... Uh, the most well-known of New Orleans music, New Orleans jazz, but also from lesser-known areas. We're going to hear New Orleans R&B, some blues, rock, a little bit of Zydeco, uh, some bounce music. So we're going to try and, and mix it up. But just to give you a good flavor of every artist uh, that we're covering, we're going to keep it to maybe four or five a week, something like that. So to keep the show rolling along, we're going to hear some more of the great Satchmo. St. James Infirmary. St. James Infirmary Saw my baby there Stretched out on a long white table So sweet, so cold, so fair Let her go, let her go, God bless her Wherever she may be She can look this wide world over She'll never find a sweet man like me when I die, I want you to dress me in straight leg shoes, box back coat and a studs and hat. Put a $20 gold piece on my watch chain. 
so the boys will know that I died standing pat.
got the world on a string, sitting on a rainbow, got a string on my rainbow. What a world, what a life. I'm in love. I got a song that I sing. I can't make the rain go anytime I move my finger. Lucky me, can't you see? I'm in love. Life is a beautiful thing. As long as I hold a string, I'd be a silly song. If I should ever let her go, I'm If I never ever since I 
All right. Louis Armstrong, everybody. That was Tin Roof Blues. Originally recorded in 1923, but that was from Hello, Louis, The Hit Years, 1963 to 69. At the top of this set, our Louis Armstrong set, we heard St. James Infirmary, uh, one of those songs that's been done by everybody. Such a good tune. That was from the best of the Hot 5 and Hot 7 recordings in 1926. Also from that same album, we heard West End Blues. Then... Then we heard On the Sunny Side of the Street from the Great American Songbook in 1929. Many, many years ago. And yet this music still is so good and still enjoyed by so many people. Louis Armstrong. All right. We're continuing with our second line this afternoon. Our next featured artist for this show is going to be Professor Longhair a New Orleans piano player named Roy Bird, but nobody knew him as Roy Bird for the most part. People knew him as Professor Longhair, and a lot of people would say was the founding father of New Orleans R&B, a scene that saw the likes of Roy Brown, Alan Toussaint, and Fats Domino. He had a very special, unique way of playing the piano. Uh, He infused it with a Latin Caribbean feel, that became an essential characteristic of New Orleans piano playing, that kind of rolling piano sound that even if you haven't perhaps heard the name Professor Longhair, when you hear his piano playing, you can say, oh, yeah, that's New Orleans. You know, that's, that's the kind of sound that it has. So it's uh, quintessential to the sound of the city. Uh, he did pass away back in 1980. But we're going to start off this set of Professor Longhair with perhaps one of his most famous recordings, Go to the Mardi Gras. Tell you what's carnival for Get your ticket in your hand You wanna go to New Orleans Get your ticket in your hand You wanna go to New Orleans You know when you get to New Orleans Somebody'll show you the Zulu See the Zulu King down 
Baldhead, hilarious song. That was when Professor uh, Longhair actually recorded under the name Roy Bird, Roy Bird and his Blues Stompers, and that's from the Mercury Blues story, 1945 to 55. Um, originally recorded though in 1950. 
And the first song we had was Go to the Mardi Gras. Uh, that's from Meet Me at the Mardi Gras. Came out in 2012, but it was originally recorded in 1949, a little bit of a different version. And then it was re-recorded in 1959 to be more or less uh, the song that you just heard here. Moving along, we're going to keep on hearing from Professor Longhair, the R&B New Orleans scene legend. This next one is called Tipitina. Night and day 
Nobody here don't have to get too frisky. This morning ain't buying no whiskey in the night. No, no, in the night. In the way we are was between midnight and day. I said nobody don't have to stand in line. Come on inside, have a good time in the night. Well, well, in the night. In the way we are was between midnight and day. All these girls got sex appeal. When they get to rocking, it's a real good deal. In the night, you know, in the night. And the way we all was between midnight and day. Everybody will be high off a beer in the night, you know, in the night. In the wee wee hours, between midnight and day. All these chicks gets real, real rough, calling for whisker and a deal for stuff in the night. Well, well, in the night. In the wee wee hours, between midnight and day. Professor Longhair with In the Night. Before that, we heard Tipitina, both of those from New Orleans Piano Blues Originals in 1972 is when that was released. Before we go any further in the show, I just want to take a minute and thank Lori. Lori from Deer Isle, who just gave a gift to WERU. And she says that uh, she wanted to be the first one to donate on this show. So thank you so much, Lori. Really appreciate your support. And I'm so happy that you're enjoying the show so far. Uh, she said we're filling a void in your life. And so happy that we could bring you some New Orleans music today. And hopefully for many more Tuesdays to come. Let's keep the music rolling. We've got a few more from Professor Longhair.
told you, well, let me have a little fun with you all. Oh, let me get right. I'm out here really, really bright. I want to know, can I go and fall the wall?
All right, Big Chief, written by the famous Earl King, performed by Professor Longhair. That's from the Ultimate Mardi Gras Music 2008. That was originally recorded, though, in 1964 by Joe Rufino. Up ahead of that was Ball the Wall, again off of New Orleans Piano Blues Originals. And up ahead of that was In the Night and Tipitina. Now, Tipitina is also the name of a famous music venue in New Orleans where many, many famous artists have played. Pretty much all the, all the New Orleans names that you could think of have all played there. So, we're going to keep this show rolling along. This show called The Second Line, bringing you music from New Orleans, Louisiana. We've heard... Louis Armstrong, we've heard some of the Professor Longhair, and now we're going to get around to hearing from another famous musician on the scene called Dr. John, also known as Mac Rebenack. Now, he was on the New Orleans R&B music scene starting back in the 1950s, around the same time as Professor Longhair, but didn't really get famous until the 70s. And he is a piano player himself, piano and organ player. And he combined this New Orleans R&B style with some psychedelic rock and some voodoo style elements and kind of made his own sound. He has a very recognizable voice, a deep, raspy, kind of troublemaker type of voice uh, that is all its own. So we're going to hear a couple of tracks from him before the half point. Here he is from one of his early albums, Gree Gree, in 1968, and the name of the song is Mamaru. Mama Ru, 
Dr. John, somebody changed the lock from Dr. John's gumbo, 1972. You're listening to The Second Line on WERU. I'll be right back. I'm Fritz Homans, and meet me every Wednesday afternoon from 2 to 4 at the Blues Station. We'll be departing on track 145 for a new destination every week, where we'll journey across the country in search of the best toe-tapping blues music around that's guaranteed to make your soul sing. The Blues Station, every Wednesday afternoon from 2 to 4, here on WERU 89.9 FM, and streaming live at WERU.org. Blues to make you feel good. All aboard for the Blues Station. Support for WERU Community Radio comes from its generous listeners. You can become a WERU member online at WERU.org. Thank you. You are listening to WERU 89.9 in Blue Hill and 99.9 in Bangor. Streaming worldwide at WERU.org. My name is Sarah Jane and this is The Second Line. A show brand new, brand new here at WERU bringing you New Orleans music. So we're about the halfway point in the show right now and... Before we get back to the music, I just want to give a little tiny historical piece for those who might not know. I mean, why is New Orleans music so special? What happened in that city that didn't happen in other cities? It, it just has a really unique history. It was founded by the French in the early 1700s and also belonged to the Spanish for a chunk of time. So that makes over 100 years of European rule, European influence before it became an American city. So back in the early 1800s, there were huge numbers of immigrants all over the United States, but not excluding New Orleans. But also what's happening in New Orleans is that same time period was the Haitian Revolution. So you have lots of people of Afro-Caribbean descent moving to New Orleans. You also see New Orleans was part of the American South during the height of slavery. So you have large numbers of enslaved people from all over Africa that are also living there and making this incredible mix of culture and giving birth to new sounds and new traditions. So this beautiful city that we call New Orleans, it has many names, the Crescent City, the Big Easy, the city that Care forgot. And it's, it's a place that a lot of people it lives large in our imaginations as uh, a place of magic and it really is i can speak to that myself so let's get back to the show we have been rolling along we heard from louis armstrong the great satchmo we heard from professor longhair and we're right in the middle of hearing some songs from dr john also known as mac rebenack all right the first 
Uh, one we heard from Dr. John was Mama Roo from his 1968 album, Gree Gree. And then somebody changed the lock on Dr. John's gumbo in 1972, which is mostly a collection of covers from a lot of different famous New Orleans musicians. Kind of a tribute to the Crescent City. But that song, Somebody Changed, somebody changed the Lock, was written by Dr. John himself. But there are some other great covers on there, covers from people like James Crawford, Huey Piano Smith, Earl King, and many more. So let's keep the music rolling. This next one's called Blow, Wind, Blow, written by Huey Piano Smith, also on Dr. John's Gumbo. Here we go.
Sugar on my meat. Say what I 
Dr. John, everybody. That was from the album Creole Moon from 2001. The one ahead of that you swore also from Creole Moon. We also had a couple of tracks from In the Right Place, probably Dr. John's best-selling album. Right Place, Wrong Time, and then Shoe Fly Marches On. Ahead of that, we had a couple of tracks from Dr. John's Gumbo. In 1972, we had Blow Wind Blow and Somebody Changed the Lock. At the top of the set was Mama Roo from the album Gree Gree in 1968. All right, Dr. John, that's going to do it for him, but we got more music coming. We're going to move on now to a band that many people know. They're called The Meters, and they are the band that really defined funk music in New Orleans. They came up in the 70s. They had contemporaries in funk music like James Brown, but most of their songs are instrumental, so it gives it a lot, a very different feel than other kinds of funk music that you might think of. Alan Toussaint, a famous name on the scene, has produced a lot of their music. They have performed and backed so many New Orleans musicians, anyone that you could think of in the 70s and beyond that, but they never really broke into the mainstream. All right, let's hear a couple of tracks from the meters here. We're going to start out with the self-titled album from 1969 with Sissy Strutt.
All right, everybody, the meters. That's where we are right now. We just heard Look a Pie Pie from that same album in 1970. And ahead of that was two tracks from the self-titled album. The meters from 1969. The first was Sissy Strut, and the second was Sophisticated Sissy. So I guess the first Sissy wasn't so sophisticated. I don't know where she stands, but we're going to keep it rolling with more meters. We've got a couple more tracks for you before we move on to our last featured artist of today's show. 
All right, so I hope you keep enjoying the music. Let's hear another one from the Look of Pie Pie Meters album from 1970. This one's called Pungy.
All right, the meters, everybody. That was Fire on the Bayou. Excellent. From that titled album, Fire on the Bayou, 1975. All right, and that's going to do it for meters on this show today. We're just going through all the heavy hitters of New Orleans. And for our last segment, we're going to move right into the Rebirth Brass Band. And, you know... Brass bands are quintessential to the sound of New Orleans. It's really a fabulous mix of music. And the Rebirth Brass Band specifically is really an institution of New Orleans. They've been playing together since 1983, so a long time. They were founded by the Fraser Brothers. And actually, trumpeter Kermit Ruffins, a lot of people know that name too, was one of the founding members of Rebirth before he went on to start his new band, his, his band that he plays with now, the Barbecue Swingers. So Rebirth Brass Band, they started out as street musicians, as so many New Orleans artists do. And now they have played festivals and shows all over the world. And they have a standing gig uh, at the Maple Leaf in New Orleans every Tuesday night. And actually, I used to live just about two blocks away from that venue. So you could always hear them play in there. And they have, you know, the traditional brass band stuff, but they really incorporate funk music and hip-hop into their sound and, you know... Brass band music is really meant to be enjoyed live. You know, it's really, that's where you get that energy. But we've got some great recordings here that I want to share with you today. And y'all, this is not meant to be listened to at a low volume. So turn it up and enjoy. This first one is Bustin' Loose.
Rebirth Brass Band. That was I Feel Like Funkin' It Up, Extended Mix. That's from Do What You Wanna, from 2008. First couple of songs, I Feel Like Bustin' Loose, from Ultimate Rebirth Brass Band in 2008. And also, Lord, 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 Sure Been Good to Me, from Move Your Body in 2014. That's an old spiritual song, an old church song that's been done by many brass bands over the course of time. You know, New Orleans is such a special place, all this amazing music that comes out of it. I had the great honor of calling it my home for three years just before I moved here to Maine. And actually, my ties to New Orleans go back much further than that. My mother was raised in Slidell, a town just across Lake Pontchartrain from the city of New Orleans, and she was living and working there when she met my dad, and they were married there in the backyard of their house in the Garden District. So while I spent the majority of my childhood in South Georgia, New Orleans was always a part of my parents' fondest memories and best stories and also a part of mine. And that's why I'm so excited to be here to bring you this awesome show on WERU, The Second Line. We'll be here every Tuesday from 2 to 4 p.m. I want to thank WERU. This is such an awesome station. And you all, the listeners, thank you for making this possible. I want to close off today's show with a great song by the Rebirth Brass Band. It's called Do What You Wanna. See you all next week.
Support for WERU comes from River City Cinema in Bangor, a nonprofit arts organization whose mission is to bring diverse films, provide education of the art and history of cinema, and encourage filmmaking in northeastern Maine. More information at rivercitycinema.com or 358-9396. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and Opera House Arts at the Stonington Opera House with a schedule of concerts, theater, live family entertainment, and first-run movies. Tickets and information at operahousearts.org. Community Radio, WERU-FM 89.9, Blue Hill, and on the web at WERU.org, presenting diverse music and alternative public affairs. Support for WERU comes from Easterly Wine of Belfast, Maine, an independent enterprise that supports free speech, democracy, and independent media. This week on Making Contact... Many people will tell you now we can't have a fossil-free future without nuclear power. That's just not true. If we could quickly realize the end of nuclear power, that will kick in energy efficiency and conservation. In Germany, we think of three things. This is energy saving, energy efficiency and renewable energies. Only when we use all three of them, we will be successful. Women Rising Radio returned to Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory, a major nuclear facility near San Francisco, California, for part two of our series on global anti-nuclear organizers. Standing outside the lab's locked gates, protesters called for a phase-out of nuclear energy. We spoke with Mayumi Oda, a renowned Japanese artist and longtime anti-nuclear activist,